welcome back to another episode of the Young Black Suburban. I'm here with my guest today, David Justice. Dave, how you doing? Yeah, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Dave is a realtor, Young Black Suburban first, <laughs> Young Black Suburban realtor uh, from Maple Shade, New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, he said a couple of places he was from. Um, is Maple Shade where you rep? Is that? That's, I, <laughs> I guess I can say I rep Maple Shade. This show. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. What were the other uh, locations that you mentioned? Because I'm from Pennsylvania and I know Maple Shade because I have some clients from the gym that live there. Yeah. But you said some areas that I want familiar with, but somebody else might be. Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, so right. it's like 40 minutes from here. Um, and then a couple years past from there, I was uh, living in Alaska for a couple years. Right, but, Alaska. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, we got to put a pin in that because I want to <laughs> come back to Alaska. Alaska fascinates me a lot. Yeah. Being a young black suburban in Alaska yeah. must be crazy. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> from the East Coast. Yeah. Um, but, Dave, Maple Shade is, uh, no, Wilmington. When did you move from Wilmington to New Jersey? Um, so before that, um, when Wilmington out of high school, I went to Lincoln University of Pennsylvania. So so your whole upbringing, you're from Delaware? Yeah, I'm from Delaware. Right. Yeah. So how was it growing up in Delaware? Um, it's, it was nothing special, I guess I would say. It was definitely great people, um, but it's a small state, you know, so you're always pushing for bigger things. Um, you know pretty much everybody. If not, you know somebody that knows that person. So you kind of get that vibe. Um, but everybody's looking to Philly, New York. It just always felt like Delaware was small and there wasn't enough there. So I, I think, at least for me, my extroverted self is always just looking for something outside right. of Delaware. When you were in uh, Wilmington, you thought, like, I want to go to Philadelphia. Like, that's where you want to go to, uh, that's where the energy was? That, that was it? just, like, the, the next major city. Like, you right. weren't, you know, when you're, I wasn't thinking L.A. I wasn't thinking Miami. Um, I was thinking Philly. You're thinking New York. You're thinking maybe, like, Florida or something. Right, right. Um, but Philly was the next closest, yeah. biggest thing. So that's where, you know, you go out for the weekend. Right. That's where, you know, people from out of state, they were talking about Philly. Because so. it's what? 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, like 30. 30, 30, 30, 30 minutes. Yeah, like 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, with no disrespect at all. I don't yeah. have any disrespect. But yeah. being from, uh, I'm technically Bucks County, yeah. but we're five miles away from Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, Delaware often gets forgotten about. Oh. Um, <laughs> it, it often is not even a thought in, in, in our mind. Yeah. I just went down there. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show mm. uh, and did a public speaking. It was yeah. like really my first time ever stopping yeah. in the state. That's uh, crazy that you say that. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe it, but it's crazy. It's yeah, actually- I, I, I mean, I've been in the car going that way mm. uh, nine hours in the car, mm. 10 hours in the car. And Delaware was like... <laughs> yeah, that's 30 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you're yeah. out... And I never stopped until last month when I did this book bag giveaway. And what I found out was uh, there's a lot of violence yeah. uh, in Delaware, yeah. in particular Wilmington. Yeah. Um, I was doing a book bag event giveaway for back to school, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it was Stop the Violence Prayer Train 
Chain something. It was a long name. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, what they do is they uh, help kids that have been affected by violence. Someone in their family has been shot, right. or uh, you know they've witnessed themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I and, and what the pastor said to me is that um, she recently got a new location mm-hmm. in Wilmington, Delaware. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was so happy because the kids could play outside. Yeah, yeah. Where they were before, yeah, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't. The kids at the church had to stay inside the church. Um, yeah. That is what kind of neighborhood you are from. Or is there? Is that just one part? Um, no. So Wilmington, one fact. I don't know if it's ABC or NBC. At one point in time, there was. I don't, it wasn't Jada Pinkett, but somebody that level of an actor was going to do a, a movie on it called Murder Town. And it was going to be based, based in Wilmington, Delaware. This was when I was in high school. Wow. So a lot of people are not familiar with Delaware, but it's up there with murders with a lot of these major cities. Because we're small, you know, the, the death rate is not as you know high as Philadelphia and New York. Right, but, right, right. Um, per, you know, how, yeah, 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 we, yeah, it's actually pretty bad. Um, I remember there's this one kid um, at the time, you know, between ninth and twelfth grade. This kid was probably fifth grade or something. He always came to the park, super cool kid, played basketball. Left for one year, find out he got just randomly shot. You know, yeah. it's like close to home like that. So I personally haven't had a family member or anything like that. Right, right, right. But it, it definitely is close to home. Um, in fourth grade, my bus driver was shot after dropping me off. Wow. Um, yeah. I went home from it. You know, we got called down. And the yeah. principal told us we got home, sent home early, and I go home. It's on the news, so it's it, it does happen. Right. Um, I wouldn't say all Wilmington is like that, um, but it's probably like Philly. It's like you have pockets yeah, here and there. Yeah. Um, I never advertise to people I'm from the hood. I never advertise that I'm like a tough guy or gangster right, right, or anything right, like right. that. But yes, yeah, stuff happened on my block too. My I think my block was pretty yeah. nice, but it's it's kind of like Philly. You go one block over, and it's yeah. kind of leads over to that block. Right. And and I'm not trying to uh, dwell on that kind of yeah. thing in Wilmington, but it's also uh, great to see people rise up out of that mm. and know that, you know, all of us have, we can go both ways. Yeah. You know, we can go to the left or we can go yeah. right. And it's always good to see people go in the right direction. Yeah. Um, you, you grew up in an environment like that and then you end up going to college. You yeah. graduated high school. And uh, you went to Wilmington High School? Is that uh, I went to Mount Pleasant High School. So oh, for so um, the Jersey. Right? Oh no, that was in Delaware. That, that was in Delaware. Mount Pleasant. That's in uh, North. It's like North Wilmington. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I kind of did everything. I was. Uh, I did public school. I did. I was homeschooled for two years. I did. I went to a private Christian school, like a small one, for a couple of years, and then I actually did Mount Pleasant. So I went back to public school. So I've kind of had my experience with all three or four of them. Right. Um. But yeah, it was. Like I said, I, I was exposed to those things, but I wouldn't say I was like, I just never had a desire to do it. Right. Um, so I had friends that did that type of stuff. My next door neighbors, they were in that stuff. I just kind of always had my head in sports, which you were in boxing, so I'm yeah, sure yeah. you kind of kind of relate to having yeah, your head yeah. in something. Yeah. And um, it was the only thing I had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after my parents, I had good parents. Some people, a lot of people don't have that, especially right. in the black community, they don't have like the debt. Um, yeah. I have 
it always sounds weird when I say I had two dads. So I had my mom and I had my stepdad. My stepdad raised me, so I don't call him my stepdad. Right, right. So that's my dad, and then I had my my other dad. He was in the military, okay. so he didn't really come back to my life till like eighth grade, ninth grade. Okay. Um, but I had a good environment. Both right, right, my right. dads. I've won the basketball games with both my stepdad and my dad. What What did uh, you said? One of your 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 biological father was in the military. Yeah. Uh, what did your mom and your stepfather do for a living? Uh, so my so my uh, stepfather he was a pastor and he was also he was a car salesman. Mm. He's uh he's won awards in the country for cars. So he could okay. sell a lot of cars. But I've never met anybody that didn't like my stepdad. He's right, just right. that type of person. Um, and then my mom she's been in like banking. She's also been in like um, like I don't know what you call it, like anti. Banking, pretty much money laundering and stuff like that. Make sure people don't do that. Okay. Um, so she's kind of going off the corporate way, banking, and then my dad's been in sales and in the okay. industry too. So um, I've kind of had a good between that and the military. I kind of had three different avenues that right, I could have. Right, right. Are I, you the only child? Or? I'm the oldest of four. Okay. Um, my biological dad has other kids too, but I grew up with uh, it was four of us. So. Right, right. Uh, often in uh, African American families, you don't say half sister or step sister. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, we are. I, I'm the same way. I have uh, if if we're going by other certain people's standards, I have uh, three half sisters yeah. and two sisters that are, I guess, whole sisters. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I just say I have five sisters. Yeah, I had um. So if, if we're doing it that way, I had. So I grew up. With, in the same household, there was four of us. I had uh, two sisters and a brother. Uh, but my my uh, biological father, when he came, my wife, I had four or five. I'm still I haven't met all of them. Right. So right. there's three that, that I had. Yeah, yeah. So, but I still feel like you know whether it's just one parent or both. That's my brother and sister. Right. And right. it's going on to meet the other two or three. You know, in right. the next couple of years. So, but I agree with you. I'm a personal fan of people calling. Yeah, me yeah. You know, I I noticed that is a cultural thing as well. Yeah. Uh, we don't really say that it's you're our brother or your sister. Yeah. Um, so you have this upbringing where you're in the house, you mm-hmm. know, you have three parents for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Uh, how were you as a school student at uh, scholastically? I, excuse me, my, so my mom said I should have went to Ivy League, but I didn't like the school like that. So I was a four A, four A's to B student. If I was, like my sister, she's actually in Princeton now. Like, oh yeah. So yeah. she's so we had it in our to be smile. Right. I just personally didn't. You you were uh, brought up with an academic mindset. Yeah, I, things came to me like easy to me, like math and science and stuff. Oh. Uh, but if my attention wasn't in class, I was talking. Wasn't a bad kid. Wasn't always in fights and stuff. But if I wasn't interested, that's how I got the B or C. Right. right. Um, but if I was interested, I was an A student. Um, so I graduated like a three point three or four. Yeah. Um, but I think school is good. Um, I just, like I said, I just was. I was more focused on sports at a certain yeah, point. Yeah. So right. what sports did you play in school? Um, yeah. So I did. Uh, I won't really. I did football for a couple of years, but that was like middle school. I won't really, like high school. My thing was soccer, track, and basketball. Okay. Um, track, track. I only did for like a month or two, and I ended up running college for it. So I wish I, you know, my, my dad was D one. All, everybody in my family did track. I never went to school that had it. So my senior year, they had it. I did it for like the last semester. Right. But my thing was soccer and basketball mainly in high school. So um, basketball, I'm going to say it's typical, but in your inner city, that's kind of like you know, your thing. That was like my passion. Um, soccer was something in eighth grade I laughed at to start with kickball. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was one of the fastest in school, and 
they said, you know, come try it out. They started me in the first game. I was trash, and they benched me the rest of the year. Yeah. And that that motivated me and ended up, like, starting and getting offers and stuff like that. But right, right. Basketball right. and soccer were, were my thing. Yeah. And so uh, you graduate from high school, mm. uh, and then you have to choose what college you're going to. Yeah. Uh, how was that? Was there a discussion? discussion in your house already like where were you going to go or what were you going to do uh did you know what you wanted to do with your life mm. when you went to even uh apply for college um like most people you you think you know what you wanted to do and you haven't experienced yeah. the world so at the time i wanted to be an engineer i was always okay. like like i said math science yeah. was always tinkering and taking computers and stuff like that um so that's what i wanted to do um, but I also wanted to do sports. So I, I had a couple of smaller, like, Christian colleges for soccer. I had a kid went to University of Delaware, but it was too close to home for me. Right. Um, Dell State, again, that's, like, where everybody I felt like was going to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then there was Lincoln University, which is HBCU. My grandmom and my uncle went there. First HBCU, so I kind of was like, I wanted to go there, but it was a smaller school. Um, and I just had, and then it was also University of South Florida. Um, I was really big on diversity from a young age. So I found that University of South Florida was the number one international school. Like I think like 60% of the school was not from America. Right. So I was like, this would be cool. I go to Florida, but they wouldn't give me any money. So right, I had right, this decision right. pretty much where it was like between Lincoln University give me a full ride minus like books or something. And this was for track? So no, or, no. Academically? I, I weeded out all the ones for soccer. I okay. didn't have any basketball scholarships. I had scholarships for soccer. Okay. But they, I didn't want to go to the schools. Um, so I figured I would just walk on wherever I went. So I chose to, he was either Lincoln University where I could get a full ride, pick academics, my family, be around black culture, uh, be like 40 minutes away from home. But I had to sacrifice soccer because they didn't have it. Right. Or I would have to go, I would go to USF, which would have everything, a big school and everything, but they wanted like $40,000 a year going to debt. So. Uh, the hustle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so pretty much between my, my parents and just, you know, me kind of debating what I wanted to do, I chose not to take the debt. Right. Looking back at it now, I wish I would to the other one. Yeah, but that's that hindsight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that hindsight will kill a human being, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a decision that you could have made. You don't know. The grass might not have been greener on that side. Mm -hmm. You know, you're on the path that you're on now. Yeah. Uh, and you went to, uh, you chose Lincoln mm -hmm. University. Yep. Uh, what was your major? I was engineering science and okay. civil and electrical engineering. So right. I did just a year. It was only a year. Um, but I mean, I love that. I wish. I'm glad I did not stay because I think it was good for me to go, but I will finish college. I think that was a great experience for me. So you didn't finish? No, I did not. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Like I wasn't kicked out or anything. I just you just, just left. Finish. Well, how many years did you complete? I just did one year. I literally, year? I got out of, I got, my second semester was, I was I got out April 10th and I was out doing my, my other career we'll talk about in a minute, uh, military. I, I okay. left like a week or two after that. Right. So, um. I still had a scholarship. I just didn't think it was for me. I just left. Right. So let's just <laughs> dive right into that. So the day comes where you have to decide whether you want to continue your education mm -hmm. or or not continue education because obviously in the military mm -hmm. you, you learn skill as yeah. well there. But you had to decide, I want to, I guess, drop out. Yeah. 
or yeah, stay? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you consult with your parents at that time? After I kind of already made the decision. Yeah. I still gave them one, like, say before I signed anything, but I was already talking to recruiters, taking the test. They already had came to the college several times. But What made you uh, think that the military was the way to go instead of traditional uh, university? Um, there were two... I would say three main reasons. The, the first main reason was I wasn't on a path that I liked. Um, I was never a partier. I was never all these different things that, you know, and they weren't necessarily bad. I just knew I wasn't in the right place. I came to college to get a degree and I was not doing anything about it. So yeah. I felt like I was just wasting the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really just wanted to get back. If it wasn't the military, whatever it was, I just needed to do something different to get back on path. Um, the second thing was before college, I was considering joining the military. Um, some my family was either in banking and finance, or they were in they were they were a cop, they were a state trooper, they were in parole, they were a lot of my family's been in the military. Right. So I was really exposed to it at a young age, so I was already considering it. Um, and then the third reason was I like I said, I, I think that was probably the main two right there, I guess. Yeah, would be just the change, and then also just I was already considering. So right. I was like, if I'm not gonna do college. I might as well go do what I was going to do even when I graduated college anyway. Yeah. Um, you get to, I guess you get to the military. Um, that's a whole nother... Uh, different world. Different world, <laughs> yeah. And you, I guess you have to find out what you're going to do with yourself while, you, while you're there. Yeah. Um, but where, where did you go from there? Um, yeah, so um, I got out of college April something. I was on a bus going to Maryland. I don't like first week of May or something like second week of May um they shipped us out to uh my first duty station where we're basic training was was Oklahoma never a place I would ever consider visiting before this time um then I did some training in Georgia and then I ended up going to Alaska so I went around a bunch you know three or four different states yeah. um but I, it was definitely definitely a good experience I think it's good for some people some people it's not yeah um but it definitely like Changed my life. Yeah. What was your uh, MLS? What was it? Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, what does that even mean? I'm a civilian, so it's, it's just like a job title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, what was your area of uh, expertise? That was. Um, it's going to be a long name, so I might want to give you the full name. I'll just say I was an airborne field artillery. Okay. Um. So I had a certain job in the field that artillery. That like a game that I used to play on uh, PlayStation. <laughs> What's that game called? Battlefield. Oh yeah, yeah, Battlefield. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So air. So field artillery is so you got infantry. They're going out there on the front lines or whatever. Then you got you know medical people, all these different type of people. Field artillery is still combat. We're those guys that are right behind them, like a mile out. That are shooting over them. Okay. That are shooting. So, like, you know, if you saw them go out or something in the building, they need airstrike. Or right. the guy's shooting the tanks over them. And then what happens is sometimes you get overrun. So we turn into infantry. That's right. a general understanding of field artillery. Um, my specific job for them was I was the one on the map drawing out, like, the angles for so it. So you're and still engineering, sort of. Kind of. Yeah, uh, kind of. My mom, I wanted to be a, in, in infantry. My mom was like, I don't want you to die type of thing. I don't want you to waste this degree. Right. So I, my compromise was I'll be combat, but I'll still kind of do some math right. related things. So it takes someone with a strong mind yeah. uh, to want to be infantry. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 what part of your brain uh, made you think that that was a place that you were supposed to be in the military? Um, 
I mean, the way I look, Warren, my dad, uh, my Bosco dad, he was in infantry, a little special forces stuff. He's he retired 22 years in. He's been all over the world. So I was one. Always he was kind of like the typical military guy who's in the movie a little bit as right, far as right, how he right, talked. Right. So we used to always, you know, he would say something about National Guard, how they're not really military, and you know, you don't want to join the military if you're scared because even if you're a cook, you get in a firefight. So yeah, one, right, I just right. wanted to go in with the attitude that I knew it could happen anyway. Right. And two, I just felt like somebody has to fill those roles. If somebody, if everybody's trying to do the stuff that they don't get killed. Right. We're not gonna be able to fill the things that me, I'm like, yo <laughs> you I'm either cooking your food or I'm I'll make the beds. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll file papers. Yeah. And it's crazy that I say that because my job my, I had my first fight when I was eight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I retired at thirty. So my whole life, you know, I I You've been you you already been fighting. And I've been to other countries and fought people in their own country. Yeah, you know, so I don't. I don't want to disrespect the military and say that I understand, but I kind of relate what I had to do to what they had to yeah. do. As far as me going to another country, knowing that I was going to have a conflict. Yeah, staying away from my family, training. Yeah, uh, preparing mm-hmm. for that conflict. Yeah. Uh, and fighting and knowing that it's a possibility that I could get injured yeah. or, or hurt. Yeah. Um, that's how I relate. Yeah. Uh, but I am not the kind of person that will be like, give me a, a gun and put me in the front line yeah. and, 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 and shoot or get shot at. Yeah. That takes somebody that got... I feel like for me, I was just trying to, like I said, I was never trying to... like. We say hula hula, or like I'm not trying to be like some Superman or Terminator type of thing. It was more just I just always been like a life of service. My my stepdad, he's always been like that, and I really right. influenced me. So I always just it's, wanted, a job. it's just just like yeah, I just wanted to service somebody. And I, again, I just felt like most of the population doesn't. If they join the military, that's enough. They don't. They're not trying to be out there. And yeah. that was my thought process. Is somebody has to fill these roles. Yeah. Um, now, luckily, I never like I I never advertised. I've never been deployed. I never saw, and I'm mad about it, but people right. are telling me, like, you should be thankful. You never know what happens. But, um, yeah, that was kind of my compromise is, okay, it's going to be combat, but I'm going to honor my mom's wish, you know, because so, she didn't want me to go anyway. So I was like, right, I'll do right. something that at least she feels a little yeah, bit so better still, about it. And, and thank you for your service. Thank you. Um, to me, <laughs> you, the infantry kind of sounds like the bass player of yeah. a band. It's like, like the, you think the poem's on a yeah, chess piece or something. Well, every, everybody wants to play the guitar, but it's necessary to have that bass player. Yeah. And not everybody thinks to pick up the bass. Yeah. You know, they, they all want to jump for something else first. Yeah. Um, it, again, it's, it's, it's not for me, and I commend you for doing that. You went through how many years of the military? So I only did two. So okay. I didn't do two long. I got out early. Um, but... And like I said, a lot of people tell me not to. I would have stayed longer. We'll get to why I decided to get out earlier. Uh, but definitely, I think it's a, a lot of people look at it, and you know, it's, we're not. It's not three hundred anymore. People, it's not that same type of warfare where thousands of people are going to field and you know, it's guerrilla warfare. You're talking ten pockets. to fifty people. Yeah, pockets, and one person dies here, and you know, kind of three hundred like is my, my favorite. Yeah, movie. that's a good movie. The second one was bad. Yeah, but the yeah, first yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> I used to watch it. Uh, the same, like if I had a fight, yeah, I would I would be resting, but I would be watching three hundred yeah. to get me hype. 
Oh. The movie for me was the movie with uh, Brad Pitt Fury with the tank. Okay, I, I gotta watch it. That's the movie that made me uh, join the uh, military. Military, yeah, yeah. That was the one. Yeah, Heck, Brad Pitt. Yeah, what's my... up with Brad Pitt? Where is he at? Oh, he's rich somewhere in LA. Movie guy. <laughs> Where's Brad Pitt at? Uh, he's divorced and hanging. Yeah. Hanging. Right. Is that Brad Pitt? That's, is he with Jennifer Lopez or somebody else? That's no, no. Uh, that's Aaron Rodriguez, I think. No, 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 no. He just, they got, they got, no, I think they're, they're oh, they were oh, that's Ben Affleck. Yeah, there you go. Ben uh, Affleck. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Uh, we got to go pick up some magazines. Or get or something. Um, you know, and, and you did two years. Uh, your your final destination was in Alaska. Yep. Uh, I'm scared to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, why was that your final destination? Funny, funny story. I was uh, supposed to get stationed in Germany. Okay. As an 18 year old, 19 year old, right. your dream is to go to Germany military okay. because there is no alcohol laws. So at 18, you can be drunk and that's I'm, it's childish but coming out of college I'm yeah, like yeah. that's where I want to go um, and then somebody punked out in airborne school they didn't want to jump off a plane or something so they had to find a role you know because you can't just go to an airborne unit airborne means you jump out of a plane yeah, yeah. so I was going to school for that after basic training and somebody quit the first week they were supposed to go to Germ uh, Alaska but because they quit I had to fill their spot so it was really random. Like a couple of weeks, I went from I'm going overseas to like I'm going to Alaska. Yeah. And you know, I was probably pissed off because I'm thinking when everybody else is over here is thinking it's gonna be snowy, it's gonna be cold, it's gonna be polar bear, it's gonna suck. Yeah. Um. So it happened really quick. I came home for like two, three days, and then I was in Alaska, and it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be like. So it's um, Alaska looks like what it looks like outside right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's America still. Yeah. Um. Instead of having like Pennsylvania, Jersey, we have 50 cities that look like America. You might have like 10 of them or 20 of them that, you know, you feel like you're in America. Then it starts turning to, you know, rural. Yeah. yeah. But where I where I was, it was like 300,000 people. So it, it didn't feel like a, a small. We had McDonald's, the mall. We had all this. Right, so. right, right. Um, the thing that the the biggest thing for me about Alaska is that time period when there is no sun. Mm. Oh, that's a rumor. It's, it's a rumor. It's it it is for certain areas. Alaska. I'm gonna. T- I've told a lot of people this. Alaska. The map is not real. It's not the right size. If you look on a map right now, it looks like Alaska is big, but it's not that big. So we we going on a conspiracy theory? No, 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 no. It's like a true thing. It's a true thing. Because if Alaska ain't really right, then how's the rest of the map? So right? it's, it's in the right location, but the size is not proportional. Okay. Alaska is two and a half times bigger than Texas. Really? So go look up, next time you look at a map, you'll uh, see Alaska does so, not look. So they big. put it on the map to fit in that way, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's not really. But if you read the dimensions, does it really have the real the right dimensions? I'm not sure. It? I haven't looked at that. Right. But it's definitely it. It doesn't. When you look at it, it looks so like the same di- size. So as that Texas. means that what? There's two time zones, or or no? So same. the way it is though is. A lot of the weather at the bottom where I was is not the same as up north. I can drive five hours up, and I'm still not halfway up in the state. Right. So it's it's a big state. Most of the population is down below, like near Peninsula. So you got Anchorage, Fairbanks, um, Wasilla, like those. Type, there's like a, a group of them down there, and then it starts getting more rural. Then it actually there's villages in there where there's chiefs and there, there's native people. Um, so it's the the rumor. The the thing everybody hears is there's no sunlight. 
There are places like that. For like 30 days or, or two months. There are places that are dark like that, but they're up north. Okay. So most people don't live where, where you go visit Alaska, you're not going to a place that does that. Because I've done my research. Yeah. yeah I hear something like yeah. that. I don't just let that go. Yeah. And I heard that there's like special lights that they put out mm-hmm. so people don't go crazy. Mm-hmm. When I got and stationed there, they I were... heard that people do go crazy because there's no mm-hmm. sun for so long and suicides and all that. It's it's so, what, I will, what is real is that it does get like dark most of the day. So right now, it's, it's there's like a four hour time difference. They're four hours behind. Yeah. So when it gets to midnight, I was there for 4th of July. I landed at midnight and it was still sunny outside. Okay. So summers are the best you time. You landed out at midnight over, our time. Yeah, no, over there. And it was still light out. Yeah, so it so, so it's weird. It's but it's not because of the time difference. During the summertime it's sunny most of the day. Right. But then it's, when it's the winter time, it still sun comes out, but it never fully comes up. It's more like a sunset. The whole day. For like a, so you'll have like a three, four hour window of where sun outside. And then it so at you, midnight. So imagine if you were in this building right now, yeah. and there was no windows in here. Like you were, you were customer service or something, and you had to work eight hours, and you never went outside. Yeah. To, to you, you will go all winter without seeing the sun. Yeah. But it, you know, I was in the military. I was outside, so I got to see the sun. It would just be for a small gap of the day during right, the winter time. You, um, so that's why people get a little depressed. It's because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like you're working all day long and you're not getting any sun, and even when it comes up. It's more like a sunset. It's not right. really like it's not really a sun. So you're stuck in that little haze and all that. Um, what happened up there that made you leave the military? Um, well, one on some real, I got underage drinking. That was yeah. So when people don't talk about the military. It's it's kind of strict. So yeah. they're they're you know you got grown men telling you you gotta you know even when you get out of basic training they they got they're telling you certain things and there's a reason for it they want to create discipline but you got a lot of eighteen year olds nineteen year olds that they what they want when they come up there and they get some freedom of money you know they they don't listen and yeah. I was one of them I you know yeah um, so I was never really bad I got an injury and got in a little bit of trouble um, and then they offered me to stay but I found out a lot of people that were with me got off. Right, and I I wasn't with snitching, so I didn't want to snitch on anybody anything. But I just felt like it was really political, and I so just decided I wanted to. The night that you got underage drinking, was it uh, a military charge or was it the? I never got uh, so I never. It's not on my record or anything. Right. So I just got in trouble with my unit. Okay. Yes, yeah, so it was on base. Yeah. Um, I didn't get like a DUI or anything like that. Right. It was just more just like. So a, after that, you get in trouble. They discharge you. So what ha- there's a lot of different things you can cheat on your wife. Yeah, well, can, I yeah, thought that when you things. said that Alaska was your last day, I thought you was gonna say it was a woman. Uh, who was the reason why? Well, no, so no, I was so I, my wife now. I wasn't dating her at that time, but that okay. wasn't the reason why I got out. I, I my thing was I just like I said, I thought it was political. I felt like a lot of people got off that did worse than me. You know, I did a lot of people that had excuses, and I just was like, I'm not. I'm not gonna speak for the whole army for my unit. I just didn't feel like it was fair. They were giving me the same treatment everybody else, and I thought they were trying to ruin my career over something that wasn't really that deep. Right. Um, a lot of military grew up where if you were in the military, you could drink at 17, 18. Right. But they changed that the last couple of years. So a lot of my sergeants that used to do the same thing I did were, you know, treating me like crap. So I, it just it didn't I didn't feel right in my conscience. I didn't want to be a part of it right. anymore. Um, but yeah, it, you can get in trouble for a lot, and what happens is they they discipline you on base. So, what happened for me was that I had to go like yeah, two home. weeks 
court. Where I and... worked like like six to like midnight. Really? And, and uh, the commanders for two weeks. Yeah, two fourteen days. So no days off. Like everybody, slave stuff. Literally just going around, um, just like you know, mopping, sweeping, cutting. You know, somebody the community is dropping whatever. It yeah. wasn't like hard labor per se. It was more just like. You got just tedious. I, to be honest, I don't want to lie, but I believe I got either no pay or really lower pay. I can't remember what it was, but they 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 hurt you in your pockets and then they take your time away too. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't make you not want to do it again. Right. But um, yeah, I, I just kind of was like not with it anymore. So, you what like the the, the most I'm stuttering now, <laughs> trying to get out. But a common person, all right. Mm-hmm. We hear of all these people getting discharged. Mm. We don't know what really happens when that day comes that you're discharged. Um, the day comes for you to be discharged. Mm. Uh, what happens that morning? How, how does it? How, you know? um, there's we have this document called a DD two fourteen. Um, so they give me that, so it pretty much discharges and tells me like what I uh, you know what type of charge that I get out of. There's general. There's honorable. There's just dishonorable different stuff and then you know they just you sign certain paperwork whatever yeah. you you talk to your unit one last time and i drove off i turned my uh, military id i drove off base and that was it it wasn't Wait. really anything special so uh what was was your charge dishonorable no mine was general under honorable conditions okay so i i have pretty much most of the benefits minus education so they won't pay for me to go to college for free but I, I won't I don't have any tarnish in my record. It still says under honorable conditions. It's pretty much I didn't serve my full term. Right. So right. um I'm blessed that I got that because if you get dishonorable, that's a really, really kind of hard to Yeah, yeah, it's kinda yeah, hard yeah, to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Um so you drove yourself off base? Yeah. And where did you go yeah. after it? The sergeant had to someone has to drive me off. Yeah. But so. when you get off of base, what well, you know you're that was just a normal person. And you had your own vehicle? Right. Yeah, so my girlfriend at the time is my wife now. She she picked me up and you know, start right. start so, a new life at yeah, that exactly. point. <laughs> so this is a great story because. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I feel like my. my no, no, no. Because uh, you, you're 24. Yeah. 24 years old. And yeah. We went from Wilmington, Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> you know, up to your dishonorable. Oh no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> to your uh, general, honorable. general honorable. Uh, I, I don't really know. You're good. It's not, yeah, yeah, that was messed up with me. But that is a lot of life already. Yeah, you know. And now th- this story at this point, you're driving off into the sunset with your girlfriend at that time. Yeah, and now she is your wife. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a day that you don't forget, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, where, what was the plan from that point on? Um, so when you get discharged, they give you one plane ticket that you can pick wherever you want. I don't know if you can go out the country unless you're like not from the US, yeah. but I'm, you can go anywhere, just one way. Yeah. So at the time I was not coming back to Delaware. My ticket was to Florida. Yeah. It was, and it was, I got discharged October, November something like that uh no no i got discharged january like 15th or something my plane ticket was like for january 30th so i was gonna be in alaska for like two more weeks um i ended up staying because i just felt like my girl at the time was gonna be my wife and that's why i stayed so, so you stayed in alaska I stayed for my, so i stayed for my wife i did right. not get out and that's where she's from she's so she's american samoan 
Okay. So that's right. most American, you know, not too many people are familiar with Samoan. That's yeah. like, um, I feel like you got a look somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah, so a lot of people say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my wife, so uh, Samoan is Polynesian. So right. that's like Hawaiian, Tongan, New Zealand. Uh, so, my, so Samoan is a small island. Right. And it's, uh, so American Samoan is a territory. Right. So my, my wife was born there on an island, but she was raised in Alaska. You know what's crazy about Samoa is they have like the most number of NFL players come out of yeah. Samoa. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple, I, one or two that's been on the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. They like the biggest export of NFL football yeah. players yeah. Uh, in Samoa. They There was a famous heavyweight boxer David oh. David Tua he was oh, oh, uh, okay. Samoan yeah. and uh, they have some really strong warriors that yeah. come out of there yeah. there's, uh, there's a few guys I don't know if there's any boxer right now I know there's a, one or two that are I don't know if there's Samoan but I know they're Polynesian that are in the UFC right now right, too so, yeah, so um, but I, I, that's one thing I love about my wife is the, the culture yeah. if I was in Delaware I would have never right. met somebody from Samoan right. never I've met maybe one or two people from Hawaii, or, and, but that, that's about it. Yeah. What does your wife do for... She stay uh, home now. Huh? She stay home because I have a kid now. Okay, yeah, so she's, home. A, she's a home, yeah. stay home wife. Yeah. And, and she moved from there... She she trusted me. <laughs> all the way to the East yeah. Coast of America. Yeah. Wow, was that a culture shock? Yeah, it was the same amount of a shock for me going there. It was the same for her. Okay. So... um. She, you know, she's seen other cities. She's been in like Las Vegas and LA and stuff like that. Right. But the East Coast just it's moves. Different. It's different. It just yeah, moves yeah, faster. Yeah. Um, she told me the people are nice over here. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, you know what? You know, uh, it depends on what kind of people you're involved with, I guess. Yeah. You know, I'm here. I think like uh, stereotypical people from LA might be superficial. Yeah. That's what we think. Uh, people from Vegas might be a little bit too much. Take your watch. Yeah, inside, yeah, right? yeah. Um, but I think of New York as like, yo, they might just get out of the car and fight you for yeah. no reason. Yeah. Or you know, Philadelphia is like, yo, yeah. we not backing down for nothing. Yeah, mafia. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how would you? I, the nicest places to me are the places that are like in the mid of America. Like, yeah, they're probably where like there the are best no places. people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm talking like Iowa, where I was at for vacation. Yeah. Like yeah. those people are like, uh, you can punch them in the face and they'll be like, "Oh man, I'm sorry you did that." <laughs> you know? She thinks that New Jersey <laughs> is she, nicer than people in Alaska. It's it's I don't know why it's it's. I, I feel it too. Um, she was hanging out with the Crips up there in Alaska. Nah, I don't know what it was. Um, <laughs> really, I don't know. She, I mean, she she loves the city part. I said they they have population over there, but you know, the East Coast just things move like just a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, trends move faster. There's way more population in a smaller area. Right. Um, so when we moved here, she was working in Philly. She wanted the full experience. Same way I went to Alaska, I wanted to hike the mountains and stuff like that. She wanted to come to Philly and, and work in a skyscraper wow. and take the train and stuff wow. like that. So she did that and she loved it. I didn't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> she worked at um this 
I think it was the Cyrus Center, which is uh, right attached to 30th Street Station, whatever okay. that skyscraper is up there. So she worked there. She was in like mortgage. Okay. Um, so she she loved it. She loved wow. it. Wow. So we got a kid and she's home and she's she's. Do you have a daughter? Kid. Yeah. Daughter Jade. Jade yeah. Justice. How old? She's six months. Six months. Yeah, but she. Congratulations. Yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it on we'll, we'll talk off uh, camera about <laughs> daughters being crazy. Yeah. But so, you, how long did you stay in Alaska before you made this transition over to uh, split, including the military, not the military? No, no. Well, you got discharged because um, um, you had to start working. You yeah. know, we're, we're men. We yeah. can't eat, you know, off the government. Yeah. Uh, what I'm trying to get to is, did you start? preparing for the life that you have right now when you were in Alaska or did you wait until you got to the East Coast? I'll be honest, where I'm at now, I did not think it before. I wouldn't say I underestimated myself. I just, it wasn't in my head. Right. Um, but it got out January 2018. I was, we left. Um, I got here in June 20, I want to say 19. 19. So um, I was there for like a year, year and a half. Um, I was in car sales right afterwards. So I'll be real honest. I always tell you I'm thankful for my life because I was a deadbeat guy for about a couple of weeks. It wasn't because I wasn't looking for a job. I just couldn't get one for right, a couple right, of weeks. Right, right, right. Um, a couple of weeks, that don't make you a deadbeat. Well, no, but I'm saying like, I just, I should say that's where you can see where I was mentally. Up. I'm yeah. always, you see how fast I moved throughout my life. And then I went like a month without a job, I'm home. So I was just trying to do anything that you come home, the house was clean. Right, and I was right, doing that right, stuff. Right, right. I wasn't like that when I say Debbie. It's just that's how I felt personally. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. I was like, I feel like I should be doing something. Right. Um, but then what? So my wife took care of me for like a month. Like you know, we've only been dating meanwhile for a couple months. So she right, don't right. really, you know, she know me, but she don't really know me like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So she took a chance on me. So I'm always thankful for that. Um, but around February, um, I applied for. Um, there was this guy. He was. I was trying to get a car. This guy was the, the car salesman. Was like, you could put a gun right here and talking crazy, right? So I'm like, dude, where are you from? And he was like, I was in jail for for a while in Cali. I came up here, and this guy gave me a job. Even though he asked me what I did when I was in jail, and he said, um, I used to be a big crack dealer. And he said, if you can sell crack, illegal crack, you can sell cars. Right. And he gave him a job. I said, if this guy can get a job, then I'm a good person. I could get a job. Right. So I started, I applied to every car dealership in town. And the Toyotas and the Hondas, the people that I thought would give me a chance, said no. Right. But Mercedes-Benz gave me a job. Wow. So a lot of car salesmen, they worked 10, 20 years to get that job. My first car sales job was at Mercedes. Wow. Um, yeah. And that's where my sales career kind of started. Wow. So that that definitely got me to where I was. But still, that yeah. wasn't I wasn't thinking where I'm at now. Yeah. I was just now, for that job. Yeah, you know, going from engineering, yeah, where you might be at a desk figuring out how a building works or how a road, you know, yeah. works, to or or even electrical or whatever. Yeah. Um, to it's a little bit of marketing, yeah, a little bit, yeah, uh, sales communications with people. Mm. Um, that's a little bit of a transition. Totally opposite. Yeah. <laughs> but where did that skill set? Uh, home in where did you find that you had that talent to actually make someone want to buy a product from you? um it's the one thing i would tell people as far as sales is there's got to be a mix of you being able to talk to other people and like a lot of people think when i'm selling um, 
a game or a clothing line or a book or whatever the case is, it's about sell, 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 sell. Right. And you do need to know what your product is, but you also need to know how to communicate with people so that you can relate it to them. Right. A lot of people just say, this is a car. This is awesome. It has all these features, whatever, da, da, you should buy it. But they don't know how to relate it to you personally. Right. Versus if I was a salesman and I saw a family came in and, um, you know, she had, I don't know, like the older lady had bad, a bad knees. I'm like, this car is a little bit lower. You can get into it a little better. Yeah, it's safer. Yeah. It's going to stop. You know, you're in Philly. This car is going to stop if somebody, a pedestrian dropped in front. Yeah. Like, that's more a better way of sales than just naming features and naming. Right. And right, that's right. where I kind of I kind of learned was at Mercedes was I just had a, a passion for our product. And I just need to know how do I relate this to other people. Right, right. Um, so my first, I had a lot of managers. I had Ed and Elliot. Um, my, he was the general manager, um, was Hunter. And he, he really, like, taught me, well, um, just how to, one, know what you're selling, but also how to can make it relatable to somebody else that makes them, you're not trying to sell them anything. You're helping them find what, what is best for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're not always going to make the customer happy. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard hustle when you're selling the product. Uh, how do you deal with, you know, that roller coaster of, uh, you know, I got 20 sales this week. Mm. I got one sale this week. Um, how do you stay motivated in that kind of system of working? I will say, um, I think there's like a huge debate whether some people say some people are, everybody can be taught sales. I think everybody can be taught sales, but I don't think built for it. Because it, like you said, it's a, a mental challenge. I, I feel like for the last couple of years, my sal- I never had a salary. Last couple, every month, my paycheck is different. And that is mentally draining when your bills only go up yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you have to you have to be driven for it. That's pretty much it. You have to be built for it. I don't think I'm tough for anybody else. You just gotta be able to, if you don't have a strong mental game where you can deal with that or it doesn't stress you out. Yeah. And a commission you feel like job. The military help you with that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've been through some stuff that I, that doesn't make me like I don't stress as bad as somebody else. Um, I think I should say it, I should say it differently. I stress just as much. I know how to deal with it a little bit. Right. Better. Right. Um, but so I would say yeah a little bit to that. Um, but also like I said I was a people person, so I just I learned really quick. The reason, and I think any of sellers can do it, is I learned why I sold really well. And it wasn't that I knew as much about everybody. It wasn't that I was like a slick man in a suit or anything. It's people like me. Right. So I realized really quick if I could just connect with people and they yeah. like me and trust me, when they did want to buy something, they only and came to me. That is pretty much the rule of sales. Yeah. People give money to people that they trust, mm-hmm. that they like, mm-hmm. um, that they can relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, you know, me and you both were out here, young black entrepreneur. You're young. <laughs> you look young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. Uh, black entrepreneurs, you know, and, and it's not easy because where some people like they might be different. They might have something inside of them where someone can't see that difference. Uh, they might have a different sexual preference. They might have a mental illness, Asperger's. Uh, high blood pressure. Mm. These are things that the cus- the consumer can't see. Mm-hmm. When you're an African American, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing yes, yeah. that they see. Yeah. Uh, how 
is the car business sells and all because the business that you're in right now is still sells. Yeah. Um, as a young black suburban, mm. um, do you see that play a part in sometimes what you're doing? Yeah. Um, I would say I've noticed it more in car sales than where I'm at now. Um, but I, I put this way where I'm in business now. I have more black clients than anything. So I do notice it on both sides. Um, I see, um, I'm not blind. I personally haven't been through anything. I've had one or two experiences, but other than that, I haven't had too many crazy racial things, Yeah. but I have, I have seen the difference. Yeah. You can feel it. I would say it's more of a vibe. Sales, right, right, right. I would say that it's not too much, uh, cause it's so public, a public area, especially in car sales, you won't hear like too much blatant racism yeah, 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 and stuff, yeah. but it's just like a vibe the way they talk to you. Um, I've had it where people just didn't acknowledge me. As a car salesman, you got, if you're like old school, the way I sold a lot of cars was, when everybody got there to sell me, I would stand outside. And I would stand there, and what happens is a lot of times I would notice, they would walk right by me, and then go to somebody else. Even though I was right there, I would, you know, you met me now, you don't know me that well, but you can probably tell I'm a nice person. Yeah, right? so yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. going up to anybody, come my car. Yeah, I was just waving, hi, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. And they would just not acknowledge um, me and then go right by somebody else. So I've noticed stuff I'm like that. I'm trying so hard not to talk about myself. <laughs> go but ahead. We're sitting right now in my business yeah. where people come and buy a product off of me. Yeah. I'll be teaching the class. Yeah. People know that I'm in charge of something. Yeah. They'll walk past me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And go to someone that doesn't look like me, assuming yeah. they are the person in charge or they Yeah. They haven't had that. Oh, yeah. so when you say that, you know, you're just saying hi to somebody and they're walking past you, not acknowledging you, I feel that as a mature black suburban now I think we have to change the show yeah <laughs> mature black mature black yeah, young black suburban I feel that um, and that puts a lot of pressure on you as a uh, someone in sales to actually be able to cater to all demographics I know yeah. you say that most of your customers now are African American but um, the strangest thing about my business is uh, most of my consumers are not African they're actually Caucasian. Yeah, okay. Uh, and I feel like for me, just being authentic, being who I am, uh, people realizing that I am a spokesperson for African-American entrepreneurship mm. because there's not that many out there. There's yeah. not many people. I, I don't know in your business how many car dealers are there that are African-American. Yeah. I have bought cars None of them have been African American car yeah. salesmen. Yeah, uh, that has to be a part of you that you think about when you're here communicating with these customers and consumers. Um, is that something that you wear? Is it something that you think about? Is it something that you go home and you actively uh, say, "Okay, you know, I got to go to work tomorrow and uh, think about these things." Um, yeah, I mean, my, my biggest thing Some people is, don't. I, I will be, I'll be very frank. I'm not a big, um, I'm a big act, activist, and it's not that I'm believing it. Yeah. I just know my lane, and I know I'm not, I wouldn't be good at it. 
Right. But I, I'm passionate about it, and I, and I, I think people need to do it. And I'm always a part of supporting those things. So I wouldn't say that I go to work and I'm thinking that, but I always but make sure true. I want to represent my people, both my name, my race, and everything. Yeah, but not not just that. It's your way that you're eating. It's your family. Yeah. You know, it's you representing who you are. Yeah. You just happen to be an African-American. Yeah, yeah. So with that on top of that, I mean, I, 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 me looking at you, I think that, um, you represent our people good. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a, that's a compliment um, for anybody black, or even if it wasn't black and it was somebody else, anybody they hear that they represent their people well is great. Yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate that. Even though you're white skinned. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, but, but, um, you know, so you are not, the car dealership thing is over. You're, yeah. you're done. What, what was the last straw in selling cars? Um, so um i won't call it names i'm not on that but my manager um he, he's ready <laughs> <laughs> thank you jordan <laughs> jordan was joking before the show uh, that i'm i'm happy to be like jordan go ahead yes i'll take advantage of it <laughs> our producer uh, slash comedian, you guys yeah. need a comedian. Reach out to the Young Black Suburban. Hey, yes, sir. Uh, Jordan is a very good comic. Um, we've done some shows <laughs> where he's he's uh, opened up for some people. Oh, so, there you so, go. Yeah, got some um, funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, but so you uh, said you're done with cars. Yeah. yeah. I said I'm done selling them. Mm. Uh, what? What? Why? Um, not to my own horn, I was a really good salesperson. Um, my first dealership at Mercedes, out of five, I was number one or number two every month. And then when I went to Subaru, it was the exact opposite. It's a luxury, it's more, you know, everyday car drivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like 15 of us. Right. Um, and after two, three months, I was number one or number three every time. Um, and I just, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't the greatest, but I, I sold really well. Um, and the managers loved me, the owner, you know, loved me type of thing. Um, and I just felt I had a moment where I got disrespected and, um, it was going on for a couple of months where it wasn't like really bad, but I just didn't like how it was for everybody. Can we, yeah, just, <laughs> I mean, what, uh, just say what it was. But... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so we had a new manager in car in the car business. People will learn that you go through staff really quick. Yeah. It's a hard business to be in. Um, so what happened was we had a new manager and I think he was just he was trying to like gain some ground. He was trying he was power hungry. Um and he was a cool guy, cool family, but like I say, really power hungry. And uh we he was talking to everybody really crazy. Didn't have too many incidents with me, so I kinda like, you know, I'm selling my cars, I'm he does whatever, I'm gonna pay my bills. But one of these Saturdays I had an appointment, um, sold that car, and then later on somebody walked in, fresh up. And I convinced someone to buy a car that day. Very rarely that you convince someone on a first day. And um, pretty much somebody was ended up selling the car I was supposed to sell. It was it was something along that line. And I was trying to tell him, you know, this is how it's supposed to be, and you know, whatever. And he's trying to tell me like, who are you? You know, he he had a, a power thing yeah. going on. And I was like, everybody knows me there. I don't. I say whether I'm younger or older than you, girl, guy, black or white. I you probably heard me. I, 
I say yes, sir. That's just it's it's just military. I'm just yeah, all about respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I talk to people like that all the time. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I have a lot of guys from the military going, "Hey, sir." I'm like, "Oh, my name is Tim." Stop. It was even before the military. Though. It was yeah, yeah, this yeah. is how my dad. I just talked to everybody with respect. Right. Um, and that's how I was. So never had a reason to escalate it. He escalated it, and I was just pretty. That was kind of the point. It was a disagreement. Some things I was wrong about, mm-hmm. and some things. A lot of them was him, and it was kind of like not the right time. This is a Saturday. In right. our business, this is the busiest is this day. This over in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is in Jersey. This is the busiest day for car sales. Person. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. So you got customers on the showroom. You got people outside, and your manager is looking like he's a nineteen-year-old. You want to go out back and fight? Wow, yeah. So, you know, I'm from women. I'm chill like this, but, you know, I still, I'm yeah. not like, like, I'm not oh, sweet or nothing. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, like, so I'm up? like, okay, what's up? So I'm going yeah. to the back. And then, you know, of course, he didn't want to do anything. He wanted to talk. And then he was like, what's the problem? I'm telling straight to space. I talk to everybody with respect here. I sell cars here. You know, the, everybody knows I don't give you a reason to disrespect me. And I was like, I don't like you. And he was like, oh, this is what he, and I was like, yeah, I do not like you. You're not going to disrespect me like that in front of everybody. Da, da, da. And I'm telling you, everybody in the dealership was looking. Like, they're just wondering what happened. Right. So he was like, oh, he, his feelings got hurt pretty much. And he didn't want to fight. And then he left. And I went back. I closed the deal. And then they were they were just kind of like, cool down. Don't leave. Don't do nothing. And I just sat there. And I was just like, this ain't worth it. Right. And I told my buddy, I was like, you want a free car sale? And I just gave it to him. And I just walked out. Wow. And then that was kind Never of looked back. the owner met with me twice and he was trying to get me to come back, you know, this million, you know, whatever, you know, he, right. they, like I said, I was loved there. I just felt like I would never. Well, the atmosphere. I, I, well, not even the atmosphere. Everybody else, it would, it would, he ended up quitting too. So I could have went back. I, I just felt like I'd never feel good about myself if I didn't stand up for myself in that situation. Right. So that's when I was like, this is the perfect time for me to get into it. We'll talk about real estate is. I'm gonna go in and do me now this time, right. and that's what I did. I quit. Hop right in the real estate. Most people it takes months to get their uh, to get their uh, to pass their test stuff. I did it in two weeks. I two just weeks. I just quit and just did it in two weeks. You start flipping. Just 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 yeah just <laughs> straight. He's in the kitchen. Straight right? different. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So it has to be a totally different, you know, yeah. industry. I guess in the car dealership, I I have the vaguest I. Mm-hmm. idea of what goes on but you're selling the inventory that they're bringing mm-hmm. in they, they, they do they, understand it really well not everybody <laughs> thinks that I'm, way but I'm just yeah, saying yeah. They're, they're bringing in these cars yeah. and that's what you have to choose from mm-hmm. real estate houses are already built yeah. they're already out there Yeah. I guess you have a certain selection or a certain way that you get in and be able to be able to sell that house or mm-hmm. if there's matter of fact, you had an open house today. Mm-hmm. How did you get to be the person to have that open house? Let's just start there. Yeah. Cause there has to be a million realtors where yeah. you're at. So what happens is the, the basis of a realtor, there, there's several things. I am an advocate for you. I'm almost like, not a lawyer, but your lawyer helps your legal things. Your real estate agent, I'm on your behalf. If you want to sell your, yeah. So if you want to sell your house or if you want to buy a house, I'm on your behalf. I don't make any decisions for you, but I'm helping you understand the market. I'm helping you find the deals. I'm helping you negotiate. But at the end of the day, it's still your decision to buy or sell your house. Right. That's kind of my job. So the way I got the open house was um, a couple months ago. I was reaching out to homeowners, and I made a relationship with one of them. 
he was trying to sell it himself. It wasn't going that well. And I said, look, I'm a no pressure person, but if I've sold this address, this address close around you, if you want somebody to sell it fast, I'd be happy to help you. This is what I charge, let me know. It, that's kind of like a summary of how it went. But what happens is you say, yes, we signed some paperwork. And what I do is I, I put it on the MLS. This is called the multiple listing service. Okay. Think of Zillow. Yeah. But Zillow, Realtor.com, all these different websites, they get their data from this MLS. So as an agent, you get access to this. Right. And I can see every house in a certain area. Right. I can see the public records. I can see who owns it. I can see it when they last sold it. So this personal seller of his own house wasn't able to get his listing on that list. Yeah. So you, you can pay. Some people can just pay to get on there. But nobody's advertising. It's just yeah, going to go on there. information, though, that he wasn't really privy to. Yeah. So he... The, um, the MLS is pretty much just like there's different ones for different areas. PA is such a big state. You guys have multiple of them. For Jersey, I think they have five. So I'm in Bright MLS, which is pretty much all of South Jersey. So I can see any house probably up to Mercer County. All right. So let's talk about that for a second because I'm from PA. Mm-hmm. If I'm South Jersey to me is like right over starts there. at no, no, for you is right <laughs> over the bridge. For me, it starts in like Atlantic City. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. like that's, yeah. that's South Jersey. Yeah, people are like South Jersey uh, trend. I'm like, what? Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's got to be mid Jersey or yeah. something, that's, right? That's kind of uh, like Central. But it's I Central? mean, that's that's still kind of South Jersey. It's South Jersey. It's how? Kinda, how? Yeah, I would I would still kind of say it. I where I I'll put it this way: where I cut the Princeton. line is where like Trent, like Mercer County. So that's like Trenton, Princeton, those type of areas, and then I and I go straight down. So, so that's I, south. That's what I consider. So is south. there only a, a south and north Jersey? There's a central Jersey too. There's a central it's, Jersey. Yeah, there's central right, Jersey. Right. Jersey is one of the densest populated states in the country. So it's okay. really small, but it's really densely populated. And then because of that, there's a lot of cities. There's about like 200 something. So a lot of small ones. Everybody wants to have their own school, their own police department. Right, right, right. right. So a lot. Of, most people that are not from Jersey are thinking the beach. But you're probably passing like 50 cities oh, on yeah, the way yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my daughter lives in Hamilton. Okay, know? okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't tell if it's Ewing or <laughs> Princeton. I can't tell. Or Bordentown is the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but you're, you're in the realtor business, you know. You're, so basically, the your main job now is making relationships with people that are trying to sell their house or people that are trying to buy a house. Yep. Um, how does one start even picking up the concept of what you have to do to be a realtor or a good realtor? Yeah. Because there's a lot of you out there, but yeah. not everybody's a good one. So I have a lot of people that recently since, people, you know, like I say, kind of you were saying, like a lot of people are not, we, we were talking earlier, a lot of people are older and stuff. So a lot of people are not thinking to get in real estate. Right. Um, so a lot of people do reach out to me about this. Your realtor, your number one job is to talk to as many people as you can every day. And that could be whatever way you want. As a realtor, I know some people that just pay for ads because they don't want to do it. They just pay money and yeah. people come to them. If you got thousands of dollars a month to open a billboard up, sure, yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't have that money when they first start out. Right. So how can you make connections with people? Right now, you're not in Jersey, but you might know somebody in Jersey. Yeah. Maybe, I, I don't know. Well, you, not just that. Yeah, well, my daughter lives in Jersey, yeah, so, but... You connected to me to be on the podcast. Yeah, you know, that's how close people are in yeah. this world now. You know? Yeah, um, we're so, one person away. I met Jordan. 
Yeah, exactly. That's how, I, like, exactly. That's how it happens. So yeah. for for a realtor, a new realtor, or even if you're in a business, the easiest way to make is just what is the simplest way I can or easiest way I can make meet people today and instead of in car sales where I'm trying to convince you, I do not want you to leave the dealership. I need you to buy this car because you might go to Ford, you might go to Kia or whatever. In real estate, I can sell you anything in the state. Even though I work in South Jersey, I can technically sell up in Jersey City and stuff. Yeah. So I don't care where you buy. I don't care how much you spend. I just need to be attached to you and help you do what you want to do. Right. So how do I meet enough people that want to do that? And that's the name of the game is just making relationships every day. And some people are really extreme. There's this one guy in Alabama he's like the number one selling guy if not he's up there he was a football player for Alabama and now he's a realtor and he sold a hundred homes I think his first year or something wow and how he did it was he went to Walmart every day and found a way to talk to five people maybe it was eight a certain amount of people every day at Walmart he would talk to them about somehow turn a conversation about milk into real estate that's all he did he didn't pay any money he would just go for a couple hours and just talk to people at Walmart and now he sells millions of dollars in real estate yeah so you don't have to i don't do that right 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 right, right. You, you that's why it's kind of cool in real estate because you can pick how you want to do your business yeah. well and now we're living in a different age yeah uh, you know uh people used to get billboards and mm-hmm. they used to put leaflets in people's windshields mm-hmm. or in their uh mailbox mm-hmm. uh we're living in a digital age mm-hmm. now where uh Almost every business has to do something. You got to do it to survive. Almost yeah. Kind of now. Yeah. And, and I had comedians on my show recently. They got to use uh, social media, make videos. Mm. Uh, boxers. They're out here making videos. Yeah, sparring. Sparring. Conor McGregor, you know, calling people out. Yeah. Realtors are killing the social media yeah, game, yeah. virtual tour tours, mm-hmm. or just pictures of them having the big key at the end of the cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, how big is social media in the uh, real estate game right now? I would say it's probably a third or half of my business so far. Right. This year. So it's pretty big. Yeah. Um, What's so, the other half? Um, just the sphere network. of influence. On, yeah, like networking with people. There's some I do like postcards sometimes right. and stuff. But is there um, events that you go to as well? That's what I want to start happy doing. Hours and stuff like that. That's what I want to start doing. Yeah. Um, like I said, there's a billion ways you can make connections. That's what I want to start doing in 2020 right. uh, too. But um, 2022, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> and with COVID, you don't know what what year it is. But uh, so the 50 percent. Or the the one third to fifty percent that you do on social media, what does that consist of? It's another avenue for me to make a connection. So I can do it through a postcard and somebody shoots me an email. I can go to like we were talking about an event and shake somebody's hand, they exchange numbers on social media. I can. The key with what people are doing real estate is you're you're hoping that people see what you're doing every day. They see that you know what you're doing. They see that they like what you're doing, and they want to go with you. That's yeah. kind of what I see from my personal opinion from social media. So for me, what I did, a lot of new realtors are wondering. Like, I don't know anybody. You don't. I don't. When I first started, I'm, I was 22, I think 23. I didn't know anybody that You're still was 22, 23. Yeah, I, <laughs> who's buying a house? I mean, like there's some people, but yeah, not yeah, too many yeah, people. Yeah. Nobody I knew from Wilmington was buying a house. Right. So 
you're kind of like, you know, who my parents already had a house. I'm not from Jersey. I'm not licensed in Delaware. Right. I'm licensed in Jersey. Right. So how do I meet people that want to buy and sell real estate? Um, and that's how you do social media because that's it's kind of like this podcast. I'm getting some of your audience on social media. It's an easy way for me to, for free. Yeah. You know, you don't have to get a million views. No, no. Um, you just need really one. Just, yeah, you just need, <laughs> realistically, you just need one person yeah. to say so social media is an easy way for me to make connections right and, and it, it doesn't i don't close the deals on social media right. that's just where i make the relationship and then we transition to phone then we transition to meeting in person and then it kind of goes on that way right. um but yeah i mean video marketing is like a big thing in real estate right yeah now. yeah um and not just that you took it a step farther um and i guess you can call it another uh talent or another uh something something else that you bring that brings interest to you oh you wrote a book yes um and i don't know anything about this book Um, (laughs) oh me me and you just connected really yeah uh and and i was like yeah let me bring this brother on yeah so you have a a a book out yeah um and what is it called learning to say after Learn to say effort. Say effort. Yeah. Oh, that, that caught me on guard. I was like, <laughs> Did uh, you say that? I, I felt like my third, my third grade teacher. I was like, so what? <laughs> what is that? Learning to say yeah. effort. Yeah. Um, what is learning to say effort about? It's it's called learning to say effort. The power of making a choice. Oh, learning to say effort. No, effort. It's right. Effort. Effort. Yes. Okay. Learning to say effort. The power of making a choice. Okay. So um. The premise of the book is to say, read the back of the book. <laughs> read the back of the book for me. Yeah, it's it's um it, the the point. What I realized, I kind of was like a lot of people reaching out to me. Like now we're talking about my life, and I found out a lot of people thought my life was kind of interesting. They were wondering how are, I told people I'm not I'm not like a guru or anything like that anywhere close. But people could see things are starting to happen, and people were asking for my background. How are you doing this? Like, what's going on? What changed? And I, I just kind of evaluated for like a year or two what. Do I feel like it's what is working for me? And it was that learning to say effort. And it, there's a lot of examples of when I said it. Um, but the point of the book is how to make a decision, but not making just rational decisions. How do, you, how do you know yourself and know what you're trying to do so that you can make decisions quicker? Right. Because I learned really quickly. There's a lot of opportunities, but you don't have days and months to make decisions. Sometimes you have to be able to yeah move really quickly yeah. um that's pretty much what the book is about how to how can you when it comes down to these these major decisions that can alter your life how can you make not the right decision but quick decision right and i mean somebody would did someone come up to you and say look i like your story or whatever um i think you should write a book or did you reach out and say look i'm gonna write a book um for me it was well, I'm all about hitting resumes. So I want to build a resume of these are things I do for, you know, not necessarily I die, but just like things that on my heart to do. Um, and the second thing was, I don't really think I was that good of a writer growing up. I was, I had great ideas. I just needed to learn how to, you know, put them right with right grammar in a way that other people understand. So one, it was a challenge for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and other things was, I was like, I don't care how much it sells and what big name puts on their TV show. My thing was that I know that if, 10, 20 people get this book, it's going to help them out if you write 10, 20 people. Right. Because um, a lot of people just kept asking me the same question. So I just like, this is going to be my my life word, you know, per se. And if people buy it, people buy it. If they don't, they don't. 
I will have, if anybody comes over, just read this book and it'll help you out. So that's why I did it. Um, I started it last October, went through the first couple of chapters really quickly, realized writing a book is not really easy and kind of went a couple of months, <laughs> couple of months uh, were delayed and then I went back to it and then um, got it done. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud. It's probably one of my most proud accomplishments. Right, right, right. nice. Um, and what are some of the things that you're doing to like promote the book? Are you, well, besides, you know, <laughs> your, 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 uh, marketing tour here. Yeah. Uh, but what are some of the other things that you're doing, you know, to get your name out there, get that book out there? Yeah, absolutely. So I do, uh, do social media. I do like email campaigns. So, uh, you know, people I know, they ask if they want more information. I email those out. Um, I'm talking to, uh, hopefully we'll see when speaking into existence now, I'll be in a bookstore sometime in the next month or two talking to a couple of them i do a lot of podcasts um little insider i will be on t delaware tv in like two weeks so so i'm kind of starting trying to do that trying to transition to tv podcast Mm -hmm. um should be on the radio pretty soon so kind of really just doing social media but also a lot of like uh media i should say media attention right right um and you talk about the book being about how you can get past the you know the times where there might be a little blockage in your mind or whatever, yeah. and you just got to say, F it. Yeah. Uh, what is one of the parts in the book that really stand out to you that you really think sticks with people when they read it, uh, that you really think that can make a difference in someone's uh, life without them having to read your book right yeah. now? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my, my main things that I there's, – there's two things I'll talk about. Two of the main reasons was one – that you can't make decisions, good ones. Because a lot of people thought the book when I first, you know, announced it, it was, I mean, you see, after most people didn't think I was really going to cuss through it. I don't, I don't think there's one cuss word in the book. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people just thought I meant just taking, like, quick decisions. Yeah, yeah. People undermined that I was talking about making the right decision. You can't do that if you don't know yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the main points in the book is there's two or three chapters that go over how do you evaluate what's important to you, who you really are. Because if you know who you are, you know the decisions that are not going to be good for you. Right. You know, you know, you're trying to start this gym. There's certain yeah. opportunities that can come in this room right now that just wouldn't be good for you. Right. And, and that it, will weed some of them out. What? What? I got to read your book. But, <laughs> yeah, but um, if you don't know yourself, too, you can't take care of other people. Yeah. You can't do what you have to do for the world. You yeah. Know? Um. So that's a big part that I know in my own life. Like, self has to come first. Yeah. Uh, before you can, you know, do what you have to do yeah. for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, and I will help you make those decisions. You know, yeah. so if you know you gotta help yourself, does this does this situation right here uplift me? You know, doesn't necessarily gotta be the greatest thing, but will it be? Will this negatively affect me? Right. And if you can off the bat think like this is not good for me, that's it, that doesn't take days to think if I should take this opportunity. You, you know, right off the bat, I gotta say no to this. Yeah. Um, but if you don't know yourself. Um, in the book, I'm never saying that you need to know everything about yourself, but you should have a general understanding of what you want, what you, what your talents are, what you're yeah. not good at, what you're afraid of, all those different things the book kind of goes over. And once you have a general understanding, there's one chapter called Profess Yourself. You should study yourself, and when you have a good understanding of yourself, you can make these better decisions. It's kind of like we would talk about going to college. If you go to college because you don't know what you want to do, you have all this intelligence, but you don't. You know, you, you don't know where you're going to put it. Yeah, yeah we're going to put it. Yeah, yeah, you have to structure it. Um, I had a very good... <laughs> I had a very good question. And then you... Oh, so 
you know, you have this this whole book and everything like that. Now, today, it's out or whatever. And we're before we close out, we're gonna be able to plug that really good. Yeah. But I know you're only 24 years old. Mm. Where, what's what's next? Are you do you see yourself selling houses for the rest of your life, mm. or do you see yourself doing something much bigger? Um. There's two purposes I feel like I personally have. Like a lot of people have different things and I've, I've learned really quick. Um, my job is to be a person that people can kind of feel love. So people don't, I'm not, I, I believe in opportunities, like, you know, so like people never, I'm not confrontational. I'm not, you know, I just want to give people opportunities to feel compassion. So yeah. wherever that goes, that's where we lead. So whether that is a volunteering, whether that is, you know, service work because we're traveling, that can come into play. But my main thing I, I really want to do is create opportunities from where my area is. I want people that I can see, like you were saying, from Wilmington, that you can do, whether that means I end up creating a huge business in Jersey, or if that means I end up in LA, if I go overseas, where I just want people to see that somebody from our, like you said, that you drive right by Delaware. Yeah. You don't know that there's people, yeah. there's, yeah. the guy that just owned Fred Bucks, he just became an NBA champion. Deladonna's a, a WNBA champion. Joe Biden, what the people we yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Just political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some you know, yeah. he's from you know he's, he's, he's probably the he's, most famous he's, person he's, I know. There's there's from people there. from De- uh the most famous person I know from Delaware is the tax man. Because <laughs> <Who? laughs> taxes are different in Delaware, yeah. right? Isn't there like a there's no sales tax. Yeah, there's no sales <laughs> tax. You know, the IRS is the most famous person yeah. <laughs> I know. And uh Delaware, yeah. Um, and and the fact though that you have the drive to be, you know, a reason to drive to, to a place like that or yeah. to wherever you are is, is a testament to who you are. And I want to reiterate that you're only 24. Yeah. Um, being 24 in the world like we're in today is hard enough on its own. Yeah. You have the pressures of social media. You yeah. have the pressures of your peers. Um, to have you be able to navigate yourself from Wilmington, Delaware, through Alaska, through New Jersey, uh, even though you have a good structure at home, it's going to be, this is a lot on your own. You're a grown man already. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I'm only saying this because, um, let me see, I am about 13 years older than you. I you was don't look it. <laughs> 14 years older than you. you know, for you to figure out the structure of life this early is a great thing. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you have it all figured out. I just met you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like you're on a great path. Yeah. Um, if people want to buy your book, mm-hmm. where are we going to find it? Um, so I have a book called The Young Merchant. It's, it's really about young entrepreneurship where I put articles about um, how, to, how to write your kids off for taxes, um, you know, just different ways how to start an LLC, different things like that. I interview a couple of other entrepreneurs and stuff. Maybe we'll have you on there sometime. Yeah, sir. definitely. Um, yeah. Tim. You say yes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tim. <laughs> um, yeah. We can go back. I know it was an hour ago, but. <laughs> That's going to be the thumbnail for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tim. Yeah, you're going to have to call uh, me, sir. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so my blog is, um, you can go www.theyoungmerchant.com. Uh, blog.com and that'll be the way you can get your copy of it um, I'm also going to be giving a few away soon so you can go on Instagram um, at David M. Justice um, I'll be giving some away on there too 
And what if, you know, we have a lot of fans and people that are in the tri-state area. Mm-hmm. If someone wanted to contact you about real estate, mm-hmm. how would they contact you? Um, you can do it via email. It's david.justice at foxroach.com or my cell, 907-302-1702. So cool. either sell, email, DM me, whatever. I'm on everything. So. Yeah, that's great. You know, and David Justice is one of those... Uh, interviews where you're like, yo, this is why we made this show um, to highlight other young black entrepreneurs, young black suburban, yeah. uh, because not everybody sees the good that yeah. you know people that look like us do. Yeah. Um, and it's very very important to me um, that we show the world that look, we're not out there yeah. doing what the movies are saying, what yeah. the rap music is saying. We're yeah. out here doing uh, positive things. So you are the epitome of that at the age of 24. Appreciate I thank that. you for being on the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Good. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. That's the Young Black Suburban episode. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> uh, that's how we're doing it around here. We'll see you guys on the next one.